what's going on everybody welcome back to another episode of the instant replay podcast as always i am your host dominic shirosky and i hope that this rain in the background it's raining and thunderstorming uh pretty hard here uh so hopefully none of that gets into the uh background uh so hopefully you guys can't hear that but um we got another good episode lined up for you guys um but uh i would be it would be very um irresponsible on my end to not do my part in saying um thoughts and prayers to uh Jacob Blake and his family um for those of you who have not seen the video or have not heard um Jacob Blake uh, is a 29 year old black man in Wisconsin who was from everything that I've heard and read was attempting to break up a fight between two white women um police were called originally the police were called to st- subdue the two white women that were fighting and you know disturbing the pub the public um and somehow some way the police officers who again were called to subdue two white women who were fighting found a way to make jacob blake the criminal and as jacob blake was trying to get away from them uh he was just trying to walk back to his car uh they Three police officers uh, basically started wrestling, fighting him, holding him down, and then shot him seven times in the back while three of his children were present in the car. I'm happy to say that Jacob Blake is in stable condition. Um, You know, he was rushed to a hospital where he survived and he is in stable condition. Um... But it's just, when are things going to change, you know? When are things going to change? And it's just, it's hard to just hear a new, like, it's, it's just a new name, a new story every time. Like, Ahmaud Arbery. George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, you know, Jacob Blake. We had Philando Castile, like just Tamir Rice, Eric Gardner. Like it, the 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 list is endless and ever growing. And you know, it's 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 stuff like this that makes it crystal clear. Like if and that's why. I, really just anyone who goes against the black lives matter movement or is afraid to support the black lives matter movement uh you're racist it's point blank period because this is what we mean when we say black lives matter like this is the stuff that we're talking about when we say that you know we're being unjustly killed and you know this is why we say black lives matter this is why we say 
we need to defund the police. This is why we say we need total uh, um, systemic reform in our Senate, in our House of like in our justice system, everything, you know, everything needs to change because the way things currently are cannot continue. Like I said, it's it's sad that I have to come in here and speak on another one of these situations. Um, it's disheartening. Like I said, I saw the video and it broke my heart, just like each and every other one did. And uh, America is coming to a place of unrest and... I just, I, I, I really hope that I get to see the changes that are bound to come because things can't keep going on like this. I don't know if it'll happen with my generation, the generation after. I don't know if I will be alive to see it. I hope I do, but change will come. Change will come. And one day things like this will be a distant memory. But I do want to, again, say thoughts and prayers to Jacob Blake and the Blake family. I can only imagine how traumatic that is. Um, but thank God that he is alive, that he survived. Um, and... Arrest the cops that unjustly shot another unarmed black man in front of his kids. (laughs) You know, like it's three of you. It's three on one. Why are you pulling your gun out? You know, but it is the world we live in currently, but it is changing. Or at least we're trying to change it. So, again, thoughts and prayers. Thank Thank again, thank God that Jacob Blake is alive and he survived. And uh, hopefully, justice is served. So, transitioning from that to football, because that's where we are going to start the sports <laughs> part of this show, because this, this is a sports show. Um, three big things that I want to talk about. One of them actually came across. Just as I was getting ready to record, you know, I was sitting here writing down my stuff and then I got the little ESPN uh, update. Buda Baker, for those of you who don't know, because he isn't necessarily a household name. Buda Baker is a safety for the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, he is a tremendous safety, one of the best safeties in the game. Drafted a couple years ago, I believe he's only 24 years of age. Um so drafted about two two or three years ago, I believe, was when he was drafted. Um, has been to two Pro Bowls. He's an excellent, excellent player. Buda Baker just got an extension, and it seems like everyone in the NFL is getting broken off. Uh, Buda Baker is now the highest paid safety in NFL history, receiving a four-year, $59 million extension 
with $33.1 million in guaranteed money. Phenomenal for him. Buda Baker. Don't know if I would have made him the highest paid safety in the league, but I understand um, he because he is phenomenal. Um, and for every other safety in the league, that's great news to you. Like for for the Minka Fitzpatrick's and the Tyron Matthews and the Derwin James and the Jamal Adams, like that's great news for you guys seeing that money. Like especially especially someone like Minka Fitzpatrick now, who you know he's out of Miami, he's in Pittsburgh. He immediately, like the moment he got into Pittsburgh last year, he had a huge impact in that defense, and that team just looked different. He was making plays from the jump. Um, so this is great for Buda Baker, and it also sets the market, and it's going to be great because there are a bunch of other guys who I think are better than him who have contracts whose contract uh, – are coming to an end and they're going to be looking for new deals and everyone is going to point to this Buddha Baker deal and say, Hey, he got 59 million, right? Like Buddha Baker is getting what? Almost 12 million a year. I need that. So great for Buddha Baker. Um, like I said, I don't know if I would have paid him that much, but I definitely understand in Arizona. They have, they have a, some cap space, you know, <laughs> in, in Arizona, they don't have a whole bunch of guys who are huge cap hits. So you can kind of take the liberty and you can really break off one of your best young pieces. So great for Buddha. Um, great for Arizona. And I, I like seeing guys get paid. You know, you got guys work. These guys work their asses off to get there. You make it and then you finally get that big payday. So congrats to Buddha Baker. <laughs> Um, moving on from one great safety to one of the greatest safeties of all time, Earl Thomas. So, Earl Thomas was released from Baltimore, uh, I believe, yesterday. Uh, it came out that Earl Thomas had gotten into a fight with one of the other safeties. I believe uh, Chuck Clark is the other safety's name. I could be wrong. Um but basically, he got into a fight with uh, one of his teammates, and the Baltimore Ravens essentially said, due to conduct detrimental to the team, uh, Earl Thomas has been released. Now, a couple of important things here. One, them cutting him by way of... Con- well, you know what? Let's talk about Earl first. Earl Thomas. Now, Earl Thomas, obviously, is one of the greatest safeties to ever play the game. I don't think anyone can contest that. Uh, when he was a part of Seattle with the Legion of Boom, how important he was, the impact that he made. And he was playing in Baltimore where he was kind of asked to do things that he isn't comfortable doing or just doesn't really fit his style of play. So that's why, like, if you look last year, he probably didn't play outstandingly when he was in a Baltimore uniform. Um, But Earl Thomas, don't get me twisted. Yes, he's had some injuries. Yes, he's older. Earl Thomas is still a phenomenal football player, and I think you get him in the right situation. I think if you get him in the right situation, excuse me, um, you'll see 
at least not not necessarily the Earl Thomas of old, but I think you'll see flashes of it, and you'll see him being more productive um, moving forward. All fingers point to Dallas as being his next slope is as to being where he's going to end up. Um, you know, if last year, if you all or a couple years prior, when he was having his very public uh, disputes with Seattle, you'll remember one of the things he was telling Jerry Jones and like when they when Seattle played the Dallas Cowboys, he like ran off into their locker room, was like telling Jerry Jones, hey, come get me out of here. Like, I want to be in Dallas. I want to be a cowboy. Um, and, you know, Jerry Jones, Jerry Jones, even though it's kind of does seem that Earl Thomas is becoming a little bit of a diva and might I don't want to say he's a he's a a bad character in the locker room, you know, because I do think that he hasn't really been happy in the situations that he's been in for the past two years. Um, and that can affect uh, how things go. So I do believe that, you know, he goes to a situation in Dallas where he is wanted and where he wants to go. Then we'll see him kind of be a better leader um, more so. And we have seen in the past two years, because like I said, I think he just wasn't happy with his situation in Seattle and he was kind of already out of there. And then in Baltimore, I think he didn't really fit in with the culture and didn't fit in with the scheme of, and the type of defense that they wanted to play. So he was uncomfortable and that uncomfort, that discomfort, I'm sorry, uh, probably led him to be, you know, kind of antagonizing and just annoyed with the whole situation. So he probably wasn't great to be around, but you know, he goes to Dallas, and like I said, Jerry Jones loves himself some renegades, right? Like, Jerry Jones does the things that a lot of people would not do. He takes those chances on guys who maybe have a checkered past. Even like even though they have a checkered past, their talent is undeniable. Like, he's the one who drafted Randy Gregory. Um, they brought in Alden Smith. So we're going to see what happens. I do believe – I think they do have – the cap space, and this is where it gets interesting because Earl Thomas still had guaranteed money on his contract, right? Earl Thomas, I believe, was supposed to get like $10 million and it was like $22 million in total, $10 million, you know, a couple of different uh, numbers that are being thrown out, right? Um, that money was guaranteed, right? So this is what makes it interesting is that the reasoning behind his, him being cut slash released was conduct detrimental to the team, which means that Baltimore can file a grievance and can say, hey, because we released you for contract det detrimental to the team, we don't have to pay you that money, right? Yes, it was guaranteed money, but you voided that guaranteed money by your actions, which is something that they can do. They can go after that. Now, that grievance would have to be filed with the NFL and would have to be overseen. And it would be a very long process um, to see whether or not who would get that money, basically. Because if you're the Ravens, I believe Earl Thomas was scheduled. I think Earl Thomas was actually going to have like the highest cap hit of any one player on the Baltimore Ravens next year. Like Earl Thomas was the highest paid player on the Baltimore Ravens. And if he does not um, 
play for them next year. And if they do lose this grievance, they'll be paying him to be playing somewhere else. So that's why they're filing this. That's why it's very interesting that they uh, put out this whole statement of, you know, conduct detrimental to the team. And it's very clear that the Ravens. So one of the things that teams do, and you notice this over time and just paying attention to team, paying attention to things. Um, the Ravens are very clearly trying to do the whole run Earl Thomas's name through the mud type deal right now, because Earl Thomas obviously is a good player. Um, I'm sure there's a ton of Baltimore Ravens fans who are like, why the hell did we just release Earl Thomas and all this other stuff? So you've seen them file the release form under the grievance of conduct detrimental to the team. But like, there's been these other little things where they've started to leak out of Baltimore where it's like, Oh, he was, he wasn't good in the locker room and he was, he was late to meetings and he uh, was, was voted out of the leadership council. So he wasn't a captain on the team anymore. Like it's very clear that the Ravens are trying to push some of this stuff out to make it, seem like Earl Thomas was a really bad guy. And like I said, to try and strengthen that that grievance of conduct detrimental to the team so that way they don't have to pay him the money that they have left. But if they do, like let's say they do lose that and they still have to end up paying Earl Thomas the money, Earl can go to Dallas on a minimum contract. Like I can go to Dallas on a one-year veteran minimum because I'm getting paid – 10 million dollars from baltimore right so i can come here and not be a huge salary cap hit in dallas and then after this year maybe we can negotiate a two or three year deal depending on how many years i feel like i have left in my career like i, I, I would assume earl thomas probably wants like a two or three year deal something like that after this year if he wants to continue playing but it's very interesting to see how that all plays out it's going to be very important and one thing is these grievances and stuff take time right like this isn't something that's going to be finished quickly so it's um it's going to be interesting to see how this how they go about this how the nfl rules who they rule in favor of um but earl thomas is out of baltimore and it seems like he's going to be heading to dallas which good for dallas <laughs> listen man i i'm pretty sure there are tons of teams who especially if they can get him on the veteran minimum i don't know i don't know of a single team in the league that will sit back and say hey we can get earl thomas for like 1.2 million dollars <laughs> like we can get him for less than two million dollars right now you sure we don't need him <laughs> like i'm sure there's at least there's probably i will say there's at least 20 teams who have their ears perked up and are asking about Earl Thomas and are going to be paying very close attention to see what happens with this grievance between the Ravens and Earl Thomas. But we'll see what happens there. Um, also, one more bit of player news that I saw this morning. Um, sadly, because I am a huge fan of this young man, Grant Delpit, um, who was who was a safety for the Browns. Uh, he was there one of their first round picks this or was he a first round pick or a second round pick? I cannot remember, but um, they drafted him. He's a really good, good, solid football player out of LSU. Uh, this is his rookie season. He was getting ready. Uh, I thought he was going to be a great, great player this year. 
Um, but it came out that he actually tore his Achilles. So he will not be playing this season. Sad to hear that. Hoping him a speedy recovery because I do like that young man. I think he's a phenomenal player. I think he's a good leader. Um, so I'm I'm excited to see him, even though he plays for the Browns and I'm a Steelers fan. So yeah, take that with a grain of salt. <laughs> um, but yeah, that also came across this morning, which uh, I was a little sad to see. But hopefully he'll, like I said, hoping him a speedy recovery. The big news out of the NFL, though, was the NFL has a problem with one of their testing labs because one of the labs that the NFL is using gave out 77 false positive tests. Yes, you heard that correctly. 77 false positive tests. You know, it just feels like this season is doomed. <laughs> and I don't want to say that. Like, I really want this all to work out. But it just feels like this season is done for, right? Like, there's no way they can make this work. There's no, like, it just, it's, it's rough, right? Because imagine if something like this happens during the season. Like, imagine, you know, in week five, you have, like this happens to like three or four teams, right? Like three or four teams come back and each team has like 20 guys that get, that, that get a positive test result. And then it comes out, okay, those positive test results were false positives because our lab had some sort of issue um, or the testing that we had is inaccurate. Like these are the problems. Now, granted, luckily for the NFL, it was just one lab. 77 positive tests is a lot. They were all false positives, which is, I mean, I guess you can take away as a good thing because, hey, guys are being responsible, but it's also a bad thing because it shows you just how flawed the testing system currently is, and you do not have a lot of time to fix it. Now, the NFL has come out and said that, hey, it was it's only one lab who had this problem, I'm sure that that lab will either, yeah, they're either going to completely sever ties with that lab or they're going to be like, hey, get your stuff together because if this happens again, you're out of here. So it's very interesting to see how that's going to play out, but that's really big, right? 77 false positives. And like, yeah, that sucks. But what's even scarier is, well, what happens if someone gets a false negative? Like, imagine if this was 77 false negatives and you just had guys who actually have coronavirus walking around because they think they're clean, like, or they think that they're healthy. You know, they don't, they, they, they've been told, hey, no, you're, you're good. Your test was negative. And then they get a call four days later. Hey, we need you to come back in because those tests were false negatives and we need to check you and see because it's very likely that you have corona. This is a huge deal. The NFL has to get this figured out and has to make sure things like this don't happen again. Um, I guess if you were going to have a problem like this, training camp is the time to do it. Um, but it's it's rough, and it just like I said, it just feels like this season is doomed. It really does, and I don't want that to be the case because. I would love to watch some NFL this year. I would love to watch some football this year. Um, but I just, I, I genuinely don't know how they're going to do it. I don't. 
I've heard some I've heard some rumblings that possibly, possibly, and this is something that I actually thought about um, when I was talking to some of my colleagues. I was like, couldn't could the NFL possibly do a situation where they try and do the regular season, you know, and it just reg- like normally, and then when the playoffs come, maybe they try and do a bubble for the playoffs because you have less teams, stuff like that. But so there are some rumblings of that. I don't know how. I don't know if there's any validity to those rumors, but it is something that is being thrown out there that the NFL could be looking to do a bubble for the playoffs. We'll have to wait and see, but this is a big problem that they have to get figured out very quickly. You can't have, you cannot have labs be messing things up like this at all, especially 77 different tests, like one or two tests. Okay. 77 is literally almost an entire football team right like that's that's the entire 52 man roster that's some coaches that's some some like that's everybody right that's literally almost all of the personnel for one football team so that's rough hopefully they'll get that figured out um but it just goes to show you that the NFL still has a lot of work to do and they do not have a lot of time to do it. So we'll see what happens. All righty. NBA, playoff basketball. We're in the swing of things. I'm so happy because these series have all been great. Bubble basketball has been incredible. The WNBA is holding their stuff down. Shout out to my Chicago Sky, 10-4 and four in the bubble right now. Still the best team in the, bu- in the wobble. Uh we're going to win our game tonight at 7. Shout out to the women. They're incredible. Um, Diana Taurasi is incredible. She gave a great uh, performance and, you know, was walking around in a custom-made uh, Kobe Bryant jersey. Um, so, and also, I'd be remiss, yesterday was Kobe Bryant Day, um, August 24th. So, it's just great. It was great to see all the love that Kobe got and whatnot. But anyway, that's off on a tangent. Back to the NBA playoff basketball. Okay. So Eastern Conference is really weird right now <laughs> because the one series that I thought would have been a sweep in the Eastern Conference was the Milwaukee Bucks and the Orlando Magic. That actually is the only series that was not a sweep. Uh, the Orlando Magic won Game One. The Bucks uh, have won Game have won Games Two, Three, and Four. They have to play Game Five tomorrow, which I am going to assume the Bucks will win. That series will be over in five games. The other series have all been sweeps. The Miami Heat swept the Indiana uh, swept the Indiana Pacers. The Toronto Raptors swept the Brooklyn Nets, and the Boston Celtics swept the Philadelphia 76ers. Also. The Philadelphia 76ers, immediately upon losing that series and being swept, fired their head coach, Brent Brown. Uh, Philly is such a weird situation because you just have a you have a, a great mesh of talent, but their talent, for whatever reason, just doesn't work well together. Brett Brown, I do think, is a good head coach. I don't think he's great, but I do think he's a good, good head coach. Um, there were allegedly a lot of problems that he had with players. Like, play, uh, apparently Brett Brown was not well-liked by his players, and he got into it with guys 
we'll see what happens to him. We'll see where he ends up. But the 76ers are done. Their playoff uh, and championship aspirations are over after a first-round exit. All of those teams will be packing their things and getting out of the bubble as soon as possible <laughs> because Adam Silver is not playing with any of that. I'm sure those guys are probably packing their stuff and on their way home as we speak. Well, the, the Nets have, pro- have actually already been home. The Pacers and the Sixers are heading home uh, probably as we speak. But um, that means that we get a Boston Celtics and Toronto Raptors series uh, in round two. And we will most likely, unless the Magic make some sort of LeBron comeback from down 3-1 and beat the Milwaukee Bucks, it's not going to happen. Milwaukee's going to win this next game tomorrow. That series will be over. And that means we will have Milwaukee versus Miami. Two really good series, man. Two really good series. Uh the Miami-Milwaukee series is really good because Miami is the only team that had a winning record against the Bucks during the regular season. Miami played really well against the Bucks, And also, I think Miami has, and it's because of Jimmy Butler's leadership, Miami has that sort of, we're not, af- like that mentality that we're not afraid of anybody. You know, we come in here, we know what we're capable of. And yeah, you may be great, but we're not scared of you. And that's so important, especially going up against a team like the Milwaukee Bucks that has such a pulverizing figure in Giannis Antetokounmpo. It's going to be a really good series when they get there. Um, Like I said, the Bucks have to take care of uh, the Magic tomorrow. After they do that, then we'll get ready for the uh, Heat and Bucks series, but that's going to be a really good one. I'm really interested to see how the Raptors play against the Celtics. Um, The Raptors, you know, you, play, you were playing the Nets. You really outclassed them. It's a series you were supposed to win. The Nets weren't really... Yeah, like, now you're in a situation where, okay, you're playing a legitimate team, right? I think the Nets... And I don't, let me... Because I don't want to discredit the Nets. And I believe I've said this not too long ago on this podcast. The Nets have a very bright future. And if you are a Brooklyn Nets fan, you should be very happy with what you've seen. Karis LeVert looks legitimate. Jared Allen is legitimate, and next year you're going to be getting back Kyrie Irving. You're going to get Kevin Durant. You're going to get um, DeAndre Jordan. Like you, the, the the Nets should at least on paper, when you look at the talent that they have, the Nets should be a team that are that will be one of the three or four best in the Eastern Conference next year. So, no disrespect to the Nets, but they were just outclassed by the Raptors, right? Now the Raptors are going up against a team where I would venture to say the Boston Celtics are probably more talented than them. I think with Jason Tatum, I think with Jalen Brown, they have the more talented pieces. Um, Also, we have to see, and this has been my biggest critique of Toronto, what type of Kyle Lowry do we get? There was really no pressure in this last series because it's the Nets. You're a better team than them. You're going to win. Now, this series is very much a toss-up. I actually have Boston winning this series. But which Kyle Lowry are we going to see? Are we going to see the Kyle Lowry that we've seen in the past where playoffs come and he just completely becomes a shell of himself? Or are we going to see this Kyrie, or not Kyrie, I'm sorry, Kyle Lowry, who is playing with 
confidence and who is playing at a level that he's capable of that like that all-star level that we know he can play at it's very interesting to see how that's all going to play out um i think that's going to be a tremendous series um but we got some really good we got some really good matchups in the eastern conference round two round two in the eastern conference is going to be really great um so i'm excited to see that going over to the west to the west all right so where do we want to start in the West? Okay, let's start with the, the Thunder. We'll give the Thunder some props here because I was kind of killing them not too long ago because they looked absolutely horrible um, those first two games. They have since won two in a row. They've tied the series up. Chris Paul finally started looking like Chris Paul. Dennis Schroeder dropped 30 points off the bench uh, the other day. The Thunder, This Thunder team have responded fantastically after going down 2-0 because it was looking very dire uh, because specifically those two games, the Thunder just didn't really play well and the Rockets looked like they were completely outclassing them. Um, now it's a series again. The Thunder did exactly what they needed to do. Now, the thing with Houston is when does Russell come back? When does Russell come back is the big question for the Rockets, because that might be the difference in this series. Russell has missed the first four games. It will be interesting to see what where he's at game for game five and game six. But um, still, like I said, that series is still very much alive. The Thunder showed up a little late to the party. Like I said, it felt like the Thunder were still playing like these were just seeding games and that they didn't realize the playoffs had started. But they had to go. They had to. And I was going to say, this is kind of classic Thunder this year because the Thunder had more comeback victories than anyone this year. Like, they were the comeback kids. They So being down is something that they were kind of used to. They know how to fight back. They're proving that right now, tying this series up 2-2. It's going to be super interesting to see what that series looks like the rest of the way. Moving from... You know what? We'll hold off on the Clippers and Mavs series because I was going to say moving from one tied series to another, we're going to hold off on Luka and the Mavs taking on the Clippers because I I, I want to talk about the Utah Jazz and Denver Nuggets right now. I don't know if there is a more disappointing team in the playoffs right now than the Denver Nuggets. Um, They are down 3-1 to the Utah Jazz who were without Mike Conley for the first game. And... Boy, I mean, I. you all know how high I am on the Denver Nuggets. I've been saying this for a couple of years. I've been saying this for about two years now that Denver is going to be a problem in the future. I've said recently that Denver will win a uh, NBA title within the next three years. I think that they are going to run the Western Conference. I'm very, very, very high on the Denver Nuggets. And right now, they are just getting outworked by the Jazz. It plain, like plain and simple, it looks like the Jazz just want it more. Um, Donovan Mitchell has been incredible this series. Put up fifty points the other night. Um, Jamal and Jamal Murray also put up fifty points the other night too. It was a really great game. But it just seems like the Jazz want it more. You know, they're up three one. 
it's whew, it's just it's it's so weird to me seeing the Nuggets struggle like this because it just it it shouldn't be happening, you know, and game five is tonight. Like that game is at six thirty. The Nuggets could see themselves getting bounced out in five to the Utah Jazz. That just doesn't sound right to me. When you look at the, again, when you look at the amount of talent that is on the Denver Nuggets with Jamal Murray, with Gary Smith, with or Gary Harris. I'm sorry, with Michael Porter Jr., with Jokic, with Paul Millsap. Like there's so much talent on that team. They should be playing, but they should be winning this series, right? Like, I thought this was going to be a close series, but I thought Denver would win. Donovan Mitchell has been incredible. Mike Conley, with his veteran experience, is providing huge, important minutes and is being a great leader for this team. But like I said, it just kind of looks like the Jazz just want this more. It kind of feels like Denver might have been feeling themselves a little too much and walked into this series like, all right, yeah, we should beat these guys. Like, they're good, but we should beat them. And the Jazz, like, no one told the Jazz that they weren't supposed to win this series. And they're playing like it. So it's going to be very interesting to see if Denver will respond or if Denver's going to be going home. Because if Denver goes home in the first round, that's very disappointing. Denver is a team who should be – Denver is a team who, in all honesty, should have at least had Western Conference Finals um, aspirations this year. That's how good that team is. They're very well coached. They play well together. For whatever reason, it has not translated so far in these playoffs. And you're down 3-1. It is a very tough spot to be. We'll see if they can make the LeBron comeback. Uh, but it starts with tonight. Tonight at 6.30, you got to beat the Jazz. We'll see what they do. But that that series, to me, has been the biggest shock of the playoffs so far. It's just how the Jazz have dominated the Nuggets in that series because it just doesn't make sense. <laughs> um, moving on from them, though, there's another game that's going to be played tonight. And that is... Luka Doncic and the Mavs taking on the Clippers. Kawhi and the Clippers. Now, mm, Luka, I just, I'm sorry. I'm trying to gather my words about what happened the other night. So, Luka Doncic, for those of you who don't know, hit a huge game winner in game four that tied the series up at 2-2. Uh, I mean, just cold-blooded. They were down one. He goes, has the ball with about three seconds in overtime, has Reggie Jackson on him, lulls him to, sweep, lulls him to, uh, to sleep, step back for three, put it in, game winner, Luka legend is off and running, right? This series has been so good. Here's my only problem 
because I've seen a whole bunch of people been trying to put this on Kawhi and trying to say that, you know, oh, I told you guys the Clippers aren't as good as they as, as everyone said and all this other stuff. And I'm like, this series is only close right now because Paul George has played absolutely terrible. I mean, God, Paul George has been god-awful these last four games. Uh, I think he's – like, he's – like, I think some like the last time we saw someone play as poorly in a four game stretch as Paul George was like back in 1960 when Bob Cousy did it, right? Like Paul George is on a historically bad playoff start right now. Um, one has to believe that a player of his caliber will find a way to work things out. And when he does, then this Clipper team, I feel like is unbeatable. Um, so we have to see, but this series has been a lot of fun. They're going to play tonight, game five, game five. And when series are tied 2-2, game five is very important because uh, the person who – the team that usually wins the fifth game in a tied 2-2 uh, ser- series usually goes on to win the series. Um, so it's going to be very interesting to see how this happens. Um, I do think that Paul George – I think Paul George is going to find himself and he's going to get things together. Um because, I mean, he's averaging like 11 points, shooting like 25% from the field. Like, he's, it's bad. It's terrible. Um, so, we got to see what happens. I do, like I said, I do think Paul George is finally, we're finally going to get a Paul George uh, performance tonight, right? Like, I don't know who this person is that's been in him, that's impersonated. Like, it's like, it really looks like Paul George, like, got his talent stolen from him by the Monstars from Space Jam, right? So I think he gets his talent back. For the love of God, stop calling yourself Playoff P because Playoff P has not been excellent so far. We just need you to be Paul George, okay? Just be Paul George for us right now. Um, but I, I, I'm going to give the Clippers a win tonight. I think, they, I think the Clippers will win the next two games and finish this series off in six. Um, I just can't, I can't see Paul George being that bad for that long. So I do believe he's going to snap out of it. Um, and we will see the Paul George that we have grown to know as a one of the top players in this league. Lastly, the Lakers and the Trailblazers. So I don't think I necessarily overreacted when Portland won the first game of this series. But maybe I did give them a little too much credit for it. Um, the Lakers have responded in fantastic fashion and have won the next three games. They have a game tomorrow. Game five will be tomorrow, and the Lakers have a chance to close it out. I don't think they will. I don't think Damian Lillard lays down. I think Damian Lillard has one more performance where he just wills this team to victory no matter what happens. Um, and I also did say that the Lakers would win this game, win this series in six. So I have to be true to that. I do think the Trailblazers will win next game. But what's been surprising to me with this series is just how the Lakers, I mean, two out of the four games that they've played so far, the Lakers have blown out Portland. I mean, by like 25 points in games two and game four. Um, And the main problem for Portland is that 
they don't rebound well because Nurkic isn't really a strong-bodied guy. Like, you have Nurkic trying to rebound against Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee and Anthony Davis. That's not going to work because Nurkic is more of a finesse big man. He likes, he's, you know, he's, he's, he'll grab rebounds, but against guys that are more physical than him, he's going to struggle. Um, I feel like they don't play Hassan Whiteside enough. And then Zach Collins has been injured, right? So they're getting killed on the glass from a rebounding perspective. And then defensively, they just can't stop anybody. Now, I will say, the guys that the role players on the Lakers have been shooting very well this series, which is something that hasn't always happened. Um, Specifically from three, like, you know, KCP, Danny Green, Deion Waiters, Jarrett Smith, like all of those guys are starting to play very well right now. Um, and I think that's why you've been seeing these blowouts. We will see what happens just moving forward with this series. Um, but I have to give a ton of credit to the Lakers for responding the way they did because everyone was trying to make it, excuse me, everyone was trying to make it sound like doom and gloom after the Trailblazers won the first game and the Lakers woke up and they said, okay, let us show you why we had the best record in the West this year. Um, great for them. I'm excited to see tomorrow's game because, like I said, I think I think Damian Lillard has one more, one more game in him. He has one more performance where he just wills this team to victory and it'll be in spectacular fashion. And then I think the Lakers will go ahead and wrap this up in six. Um if the Lakers wrap this up in six, they will have to take on either the Houston Rockets or the Oklahoma City Thunder. And the uh, Mavericks or the Clippers, depending on who wins that series, will have to take on the winner of the Nuggets and Jazz series. So Western Conference, things are a lot, things are tighter. Um Things are a little bit more interesting, and that's just because the Western Conference is a tougher, deeper is a tougher, deeper, deeper conference than the East is. Um, it's been that way for quite some time. The East, I think, is starting to rise and starting to become more competitive from top to bottom, the way the Western Conference is. But um, we got a lot of great basketball left to be played. Um, we got a couple teams who, in the Western Conference, you know, Trailblazers, Nuggets. Let's see what you guys do. Let's this this is where you find out what you're made of, right? You're down three one. You got a lot of work to do. Are you willing to put it in? How bad do you want it? We'll see. But that's all I have for you guys right now, man. Thank you all so much for listening. This has been another episode of Instant Replay. I'm your host, Dominic Shirosky. If you like this episode, please, please, please tell someone else, tell a friend to tell a friend, share it retweet it like it get other people to check out the show all of that good stuff um really appreciate all the love and support um if you all have any any questions anything you guys want me to talk about specifically by all means send it out to me on twitter or instagram uh reach out to me let me know um but yeah man thank you all so much and again i want to say thoughts and prayers to jacob blake and the blake family um that was horrific what happened to him again happy that he survived i know he is fighting fighting for his life to make sure he doesn't leave his family um and i'm, I'm happy to hear he's in stable condition happy to hear that he survived 
And same old, same old, arrest the cops that did this because that was attempted murder. Arrest them, arrest the killers of Breonna Taylor, arrest the killers of George Floyd. We just want justice. So that's all I got for you guys. Thank you so much again. And as always, I leave you all with a quote. Kobe Bryant once said, no one hates the good ones. They only hate the great ones. So go out there and be great, guys. Go out there and make some new haters. I'll see you Tuesday.